Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, and welcome back to Talkin' Nicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming at you with another midweek episode. And I'll tell you the last thing we want to do is talk about the Knicks actually playing basketball. Uh, the last game they played was against the Milwaukee Bucks, and it was uh, it was kind of a disgrace to, to basketball in general. So instead, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing a little role playing. Actually, that sounds a little fun. We're we're going to pretend like we're Scott Perry and Steve Mills. We're gonna look at the veterans on our roster and the expiring contracts and try and come up with some semi realistic trades for the Knicks come December 15th once trade season kicks off. So let's do the thing. Let's talk Knicks. All right, welcome back to Talking Knicks. Joining me today is my co-host, Kenny Poon. Kenny, what's going on, man? Hey, Tom. Good to be here. Uh, excited to not talk about the Knicks playing basketball, like you said. Yes, that is the top priority today to avoid all Knicks basketball talk. So let's talk about roster construction. Uh, first, uh, quick thing. Have you? I don't know if you've been listening to these midweek pods, but it seems like they haven't been giving me the intro music. So I'll say, like, let's talk Knicks and do my little pause. And then, like, I don't know, the audio will just have me kind of breathing into the microphone. Usually I'm, I'm waiting for that Kendrick Lamar music to come up, and it just doesn't happen. What's going on? Yeah, I did notice that. I did listen to the last one, and I was thinking, huh, music's not playing. Maybe uh, maybe Big Baby David is trying to send you a message that you need to, you know, do something more in order to earn that. Seriously, I think I, I need a new agent or something, because they really make me look kind of like a, like a doofus. But uh, speaking yeah. of doofuses... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Perfect right, segue look. into the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously the Knicks have a lot of these expiring contracts, guys, with team options for next year who are essentially expiring contracts, and who we know will not be a part of the Knicks moving forward. And I know, Kenny, you've been beating this drum harder than anyone on the podcast, that like for this, what this season kind of comes down to, like whether it's a success or not, boils down to what the Knicks get in return for some of these guys. Is that still how you feel? Yeah, and I, like you said, I've kind of been saying that pretty much since they signed all of these guys. Uh, I think we knew when they signed these guys that they weren't really competing for a championship. I don't think we thought we would, they would be this bad, but it's kind of a you know take what you can get situation where now that we know that they're this bad and we don't have to pretend that they're making a push for the the playoffs, we can just wholesale wholesale get rid of everyone, um, and that kind of you know gives gives the the front office a little more flexibility and a little less um you know hassle from people being like oh why would you trade your best player marcus morris when you're competing for a playoff spot we don't have to worry about that because we're terrible um so that is very much go ahead well it's just one of the of the many criticisms levied against the knicks this offseason one of them was like why didn't they take on some bad money um to try and get some draft assets 
you know, and, and kind of one of the reasons we looked at was, well, there weren't very many of those contracts. We've said that over and over again. It was like Andre Iguodala. Um, there were like one or maybe two more that the Knicks could have thrown their hat in the ring. We don't even know if it was an option for them. But the other kind of rebuttal to that line of thinking is, well, they can kind of do something similar during the season, right? They can build up, they can try to build up the value of some of these players, um, guys like Marcus Morris, like Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, guys who, who could feasibly, potentially be, or have some value on teams that are trying to win this year. Or going the other way and like teams tr- actively trying to get off bad money. So I guess that kind of brings me to my first like philosophical question for you is like, do you think the Knicks should be trying to take on bad money like for, for years down the road for say it for next year or should, you know, they kind of use this flexibility thing as, as such an asset uh, the way they, they've framed the, their roster construction. They have all this flexibility, but should they kind of, you know, lose some of that flexibility to take on bad salary in the future to potentially get some draft picks. Yeah, so I think they should use at least next year's cap space. Uh, part of the reason being there isn't all that robust of a um, free agent class coming up this next season. The other side to that kind of tale is that people might not be coveting dra- or uh, salary cap space this much that much this year, so it might limit what they can get. But I, you'll you'll see in some of my trades that the two things that I I look to do was potentially take on bad money for next year, and uh, get back in return either young players or draft picks. And Kenny, I agree with you that they shouldn't be so worried about maintaining flexibility for next season. But I guess that brings me to the next logical question: Is do you think that the Knicks will? <laughs> like, do you think that they? Uh, because part of me thinks that they're going to try and, and keep that flexibility, and, and I'm a little worried about it. I, I don't know necessarily why, because to your point, the free agency class isn't all that strong. But I just, I feel like they've just been riding that talking point so so heavily that they have all this flexibility, and um, it, it's a cause for potential. I, I'm just a little worried. Do you think that the Knicks will look to take on bad money? Uh, like I said, I think they'll they'll look for it for at least next year because I think we know that we're not going to be good next year either. Um, yeah, there are some like up, I said, I, I think they should. I just don't know if they will, and I guess that's yeah. kind of a disconnect that we've seen in the past. So I just wanted to get your your take on that. But we we can go ahead and, and get into these trades here. Um, we'll kind of just go player by player, guys who we think would or should or will get moved um, before the trade deadline. Like I said, um, they are eligible to be moved beginning December 15th. So that's coming up soon. We know that there isn't usually a ton of action on that day. Like usually it, it happens a little later in the season when teams kind of have a better sense of who they are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, what they need um, to be successful come playoff time. But it will, it will not stop us from ignoring the on-court product here and, and diving into it. So Kenny, let's start with Marcus Morris. What, uh, what trade what, uh, what kind of trade do you have for me for Marcus Morris? So Marcus Morris, I have Marcus Morris going to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Gorgie Diang and a first-round pick. Tell me what you think about that. 
I like it. I had a short list of teams here that I thought Morris might be a good fit for, and the Timberwolves were definitely up there. I mean, what what were some of your uh, what was kind of like your rationale for that? So basically, I just scouted around the league for players who had money on the books for next year and don't really play much, and teams that are potentially looking to make a push with a, to bring a good player in and help their chances to potentially make the playoffs. Uh, here, the Timberwolves get the benefit of getting Marcus Morris, who is our best player and would be their third best player uh, after Cat and Andrew Wiggins, presumably. Uh, I would put him above Covington, probably. Um, they don't really have a power forward is another thing. They, right now, it's either Andrew Wiggins or, or Covington is technically their starting power forward. So that would be a, a good fit for them. And they get off uh, Dieng's $16.2 million for next year, I believe it is. So if they make the push for the playoffs, and then they have all of their own you know, first-round picks, so maybe they'd be willing to, to part with one of those in the hopes that you know, maybe at least this next year it's not a lottery pick. They're making the, the move for the playoffs, so it'll be a you know, mid-teens, early-20s pick in their best-case scenario. Yeah, I, I like that move a lot. Um, so I, I'm wondering whether the Timberwolves see themselves competing enough to justify giving up a first-round pick. Granted, getting off that money is good, but like, what do they expect to be using it on for next season? Um, I don't know if you were like factoring in any kind of protections on that first-round pick, but like you said, it would it'd probably be, end up being kind of um, in the middle of that first round. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I had I hadn't thought it through. <coughs> Excuse me, I hadn't thought it through that much. But yeah, you could definitely put protections on it. Like I said, they have, I believe, all of their first round picks moving forward, so you could push it back a few years. The other thing that I was thinking about in uh, a different trade from this is, you know, potentially if they're nervous about giving up that pick, we could do a little pick swap with the the Charlotte pick, where we'd get there first, and then they'd get the Charlotte one, which is figuring to be very early in the second round. So. There's some value to that. I don't know if that pushes them over the edge or or not, but it's an idea that I have in in one of the later trades. You'll see. No, I mean that that is a good idea. And like the the Timberwolves, I'm looking now, they rank 27th in the league in three point field goal accuracy. So, I mean they they shoot a ton of them, but they they really don't uh, they aren't hitting that well. So Marcus Morris could be huge in that offense. Um, I like it a lot. Frankly, I like it more than mine, but I'm, it's not going to stop me from saying mine. Um, All right. Love to hear it, Tom. That's what we're here for. Just throwing out ideas. We're idea men. Thrive on so enthusiasm. Kind of my my thought process was I actually wasn't looking so much at taking on bad money just because I, I remain just a little skeptical whether the Knicks will take on bad money. Um, kind of where I was looking more at was teams that – are competing in the West who are trying to get over the hump and like they need a big body, like a big wing, like Marcus Morris to be able to, to, to guard those top tier wings in LA, the Kawhi's, the Paul George's, the LeBron's like those guys are huge. And, um, and, and Marcus Morris is like a, is a solid one-on-one defender. He's a competitor. He's very tough. Like he he's not going to back down when he, when going against those guys. So I think he's valuable for teams looking for someone to, to be that big wing defender. So there, I had two teams I was looking at here. And one was the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets who, who are competing um, in the West, like obviously they were, they were, they finished second in the West last year. They are currently third. 
though they've lost two in a row. Um, but right now, their their wings that they're starting are Gary Harris and Will Barton, or kind of getting the most minutes, I should say. Like those guys are just frankly far too small to be to be defending guys like Kawhi, LeBron, and Paul George, and you really don't want to be putting. Uh, Paul Millsap, your power forward on him either because he's too slow and old at this point. So, mm. like, they they really do need someone to, to be able to defend those guys. And then I was also looking that uh, the Nuggets are 27th in three-pointers attempted and then 24th in three-point field goal percentage. Um, that's per NBA.com. So, like, they could really use someone with Marcus Morris's skill set to be able to defend big wings, hit threes. Nuggets kind of check all those boxes – um, and just looking at the salaries, it's kind of tough. The Nuggets don't have like Nuggets don't have a lot of guys who are, who would be good matches. Um, but one of the guys who is is Mason Plumley, who's another expiring contract. So I'm I'm thinking like Marcus Morris for Mason Plumley, and then like a heavily like a protected first round pick that would probably more than likely turn into two seconds. What what does that do for you? Anything? I'm gonna- Tom, I've been saying this since the beginning. I honestly will take anything for any of these players. So, you know, <laughs> and like that seems like a reasonable trade for me from from Denver's perspective. Like you said, they need a wing defender. And I think the, the Jokic on the inside, Morris on the outside connection would be entertaining for a little bit for a little bit. Um, so I'd I'd do that. I don't know what that says about me, but I think it's. Very reasonable on both sides. Good, good. Then I, I guess I, I get in the second trade here, um, just in case you didn't like that one and you were just being nice. Um, the second team I was looking at was the Houston Rockets. And first of all, like we've seen the Rockets are more than willing to just go all in, especially during Harden's prime. They are just just so willing to, to give up assets. Uh, in exchange for players that I think are going to help them win now. And and right now, they're in a similar spot where they're they're starting Eric Gordon at the wing. I mean, they, they just don't have a lot of options to defend these big guys. Like, James Harden right now, size-wise, is the best one to defend Kawhi, LeBron, Paul George, but, like, that's not his role, right? Like, he carries way too much of the burden on offense to to be able to do that on that end. So I could totally see the Rockets – bringing Marcus Morris back because I believe Morris was there earlier in his career and had some success in Houston. So, um, and, and then I was also looking that the Rockets are 26th in three point field goal percentage. I mean, a lot of that is because they take such difficult ones, but they just, they need someone to, to be able to hit threes and guard wings just like the Nuggets. So uh, this one, this one's probably even less enticing, but let's see what you think. I won't, I shouldn't do that before I say it. So Marcus Morris, for for pretty much what's what's salary filler, in the form of just just three veterans, it's Nene, Tyson Chandler, and Ryan Anderson, but then you're also getting Memphis's second round pick this upcoming uh, draft, and and Memphis is going to be a bottom three team, right? Like, it, it's going to be a very high second round pick, so you're you're basically getting Morris for salary filler and uh, and a second round and a high second round pick. What do you think about that? I don't hate it. Um, we'd have to make some other moves just because I don't know who on our team we can get rid of in order to, to take on the, the two picks, although the two extra bodies, although that becomes a problem in a lot of my traders is the only reason I bring it up. Um, yeah, I don't even know the rules on like um, like just 
I don't know, cutting them or, or yeah, we'd buy, buying have, them we'd, out. We'd have to get rid of two people. Um, I, I I'll say I'll say this much. I did it while I was doing this exercise. I tried to get us Tyson Chandler at some point just to be kind of a, a an extra big man and a, a mentor for Mitch for Robinson, Mitch. but but I didn't I, I didn't make it happen. So I like that aspect of it. Um, we'd ha- I guess we'd have to figure out what to do with the other bodies. It was uh, Anderson and who else? It was Nene who's been Nene. injured. So that's I mean that's that's the problem for us, right? Is that uh, that's a lot more big men. So we'd have to probably cut bait with them, right? Yeah, I think that was kind of the plan too. Um I didn't expect Nene to play for the Knicks, but it was just I Rockets are tough on salary filler, so I think yeah. um Yeah, yeah I was so, looking at, and and Tyson I like that point a lot though cuz I think he would be great for Mitch. Um he'd be a great locker room guy and and bringing him back to New York would be fun. Ryan Anderson, I don't know what he still has left in the tank, but at least he's like a stretch four type who can who can shoot. So I mean, he could help space the floor if he were to stay on board. And if not, that's fine too. But uh, I mean, the whole point of it would be Memphis's second round pick, which I think is pretty valuable. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, I think <laughs> yours like, taking on that bad money and getting the first pick. That's that's kind of what I would prefer to do. I don't know if the Knicks would. Yeah, and I, I mean, if if I was ranking the three Morris trades that we just listed, I would, I would, I prefer mine. I don't know if that's biased. And then I would say I like I like bringing in Tyson Chandler more than I like in bringing in Mason Plumley. Plumley, although if you talk to Jake, he says that uh, people in Denver love Plumley because he just comes in and tries really hard, which is a problem that the Knicks have. So maybe there's something there. Yeah, I mean that's not a bad skill to have, but. Cool. All right, I think we can move on to the next player then, and, and I'll let you take it where you want because I think you have some trades that you prefer over others. So so who's your next player that you'd be looking to move, and, and what would that move be? So I'm going to go with one that's not really exciting. All right, getting the listeners primed for this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. Um, so I'm going to go to the Utah Jazz and I'm going to send them Bobby Portis for Dante Exum and Ed Davis, <laughs> neither of whom play. I'm now laughing I'm laughing because my trade for Bobby Portis is so similar. It's just so similar. I have I have an addendum to this trade which is that right now uh, I believe the Jazz's backup point guard is Emmanuel Moutier, which is bad. So I would throw in Alfred Payton if they threw in a second-round pick to that deal. So so right now it was just Bobby Portis for Dante Exum and Ed Davis? Yeah. But you don't – so Bobby Portis is obviously an expiring contract. You don't think that the Jazz would have to give up something to get off of Exum's bad money? I, I think that they definitely would. So you you want to send? I, see, this is my problem. Is sometimes I think like I think that I'm overvaluing my players, so I take it down a notch. Um, well, look, no, I, I it's not because Bobby Portis is so good. It's it's because yeah. Dante Exum has been just so bad, and he's getting paid. You know, it's what is it nine million this year, nine million next year? Like that's he's an expensive player, and he has so limited production. Whereas Bobby Portis would fill a need for the jazz like 
first of all, I, I also chose this this destination for the jet for uh, for Portis because the Jazz are, are a top ten defense. Like they wouldn't really. A lot of that has to do with Gobert, who probably wouldn't necessarily be playing with Portis. But they don't have a backup five. Like straight up, literally, no one is backing him up as backing up Gobert at five. So. Um, I like his fit there. And then they also have the 23rd ranked offense in the league. So for a team that's been competitive, like they are not strong offensively. They average a ton of turnovers a game. And Portis just, that's his only, like that's one of his strengths. He never turns it over. Um, and, and his shooting would, would help cre- create space for drivers like Donovan Mitchell. So, um, so, so what like was your, fit. yeah. What was your, your trade just so we can talk about this all together? So mine was was actually I, I packaged a couple of our guys together. I said Bobby Portis and Alonzo Trier, um, and, and Trier I think would be would be good too. Just again to that point that the Jazz offense is really struggling this year, and, and he's a guy who can go in and, and help that second unit just get buckets. Um, so it's it Portis and Trier for Dante Exum, Ed Davis, and a heavily protected first that would likely become a second. I'm cool with that. Um, but like I said, very similar to yours. I, and I just think that since since Exum is that bad salary and Portis is, is expiring, that the Jazz would be willing to give up something, no, nothing, you know, nothing too good. And like I said, that, that first would probably – it would be a first in name only, you know, just to get fans excited, but it would really just be a second. Yeah, and I, I mean, let's – let me take a quick look. Um so for me, Dante Exum makes nine point six million next year. Ed Davis makes five million next year. Um, so and right next year already with those two on the books, they're projected to be at one hundred seventeen million. I believe the projected cap is one fifteen. So they're right at that mark already. So if they get rid of that, they have some space to do something this off season. Um, although they have some non guaranteed contracts that might give them a little bit more wiggle room. Um, so I think, I I mean, I think you're right. I think they might value that cap space for those. I mean, Ed, Ed Davis and Dante Exum making 15 million between them next year is, is a lot of money and that could give them a lot of flexibility. So I'm taking a pick. You're right. You got to take a pick there. No, totally. And that's, that's not Nick's homerism. That's just good business. Um, and you know, you, you said you weren't excited about that trade. I think that's, that's a pretty good one. And it's, it's actually really funny that we had the same one considering we didn't talk about this first but um and i'm i was i was worried that that's going to happen on a few of them because like you said there's only so many bad contracts in the league that you can you can do stuff with um i have another big one later that i don't know i don't know if if it's possible if it's wishful thinking but we, we can get into that in a little bit well well the next guy i kind of wanted to talk about was taj gibson um it's my big because, one yeah and I, that's why i want to get to it because uh i mean first of all i listed a few teams for taj I, I was having a hard time figuring out a good trade for him so i want to hear yours but i mean a couple of the teams that that i was considering are, are teams we've already talked about and that's the utah jazz who we said don't have a backup five um so i i feel like he could kind of fill that that same bobby portis role and you know he, he's not much, as much of a stretch five as as portis is but I think he'd still bring a lot of value to that Utah team. And then the other team I was looking at was the Houston Rockets um, for Taj. I I mean, they have some bigs, but, like, for the most part, they're playing um, – their backup center 
is uh, the, the the dude who hits all the corner threes, whose name's escaping me right now. The short uh, – P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is playing a lot of minutes at five for them, which is great for the way they play in, like, D'Antoni's system and all, but it's I don't know how sustainable it is come playoff time. So I feel like someone like Taj to shore up that backup five role behind Clint Capella would make a lot of sense for them, though I, I didn't get as far as, like, making legitimate trades. So I do want to hear your big one, though. So my big one, I went – I did not go to either of those teams, and um – I went to the Boston Celtics. I don't know if you know where I'm going <laughs> with this. That's so funny because like, I wrote – literally, this is why I have in my notes. Celtics need backup center because Cantor sucks. <laughs> That's true. And that was one of the reasons that I thought about it. The other reason was – and that – so I told you in pre, pre-pod that uh, this became a, a much bigger trade than I anticipated because I know I was reading articles talking about the Boston Celtics and how good they are and how they're – their big hole is that like they don't have a defensive big, um, and I thought maybe we throw Taj Gibson in there. We let him do you know some stuff, um, and then I got to talking with Kevin McGovern, our resident Boston Celtics fan, to see kind of what what they were looking for, and he said, you know, what they needed was some some toughness, some rebounding, and a couple maybe a couple bigs. And uh, he did not hate the idea of getting Taj Gibson and also Marcus Morris back. And so wow. the the trade that I went went with, and this is this was my marquee trade that uh, I, I I'm interested to see how you take it. So it's going to be Taj Gibson, Marcus Morris, and Wayne Ellington for Gordon Hayward's contract, Romeo Langford. And a protected first. This is where that potential first for a second comes in. And I pitched this to McGovern, and he said he was skeptical, but it's not completely unreasonable. And as the more he thought about it, the more reasonable it seemed. So, can you can you just say that the the Celtics what the Celtics would be giving up again besides Gordon Hayward's contract? Because I think that really threw me for a loop. Um, Hayward, who came after Hayward? Romeo Langford, who's their rookie. He was just a lottery pick and does not play at all. I think he might be injured. He, But I know he doesn't play, even when he wasn't injured. Um, and then a first-round pick. I believe they have Milwaukee's first-round pick, so maybe that's something that they'd be willing to deal. Um, and then th- if, if that's not the case, potentially their first-round pick f- for Charlotte's second-round pick. That kind of thing. Man, I don't know. Like, at this point, is Gordon Hayward's contract really a net negative? Or is that kind of how you're you're reading it here? So that's what I asked. That's what I asked McGovern. And originally, he's like, he doesn't – he didn't think so. McGovern's our Boston guy. He said he didn't think – he thinks that people are much more patient with uh, with Gordon Hayward just because their young players are playing well and the team is playing well. But his contract is like thirty-two million, and he has not done anything in the first three years. And like he got relegated to the bench. He's had a, I mean, he's had a, a couple of good good games here and there, but for the most part, he has not done anything in his tenure as a Boston Celtic. Yeah, so he he's getting paid thirty-two seven this year, and then next year he has a player option for thirty-four, and I have to imagine he'll pick that up. Um. 
I mean, I think so. He he's turning thirty. He's turning thirty next year, so he'll probably get one more big contract. But I mean, before he broke his hand, which I, breaking your hand is is not like indicative of of injury prone behavior, right? Like it's not a knee. It's not something you know that's that's kind of recurring. It, it's breaking your hand in basketball is just kind of a freak thing that happens. I think it's bad luck. But before he did it, he'd played eight games this year, was averaging thirty one minutes a game. It was putting up 19.7 boards, four assists. He was shooting the ball really well from three. It's a tiny sample, I know, but, like, I don't know. I think that he's still, like, an all-star caliber player when healthy, um, at least in the East because they're, you know, because it's the East. But I I don't think Boston would be willing to do that trade. I really don't. Uh, even if that first-rounder turned into that second-rounder that you mentioned – I I would be very surprised if they gave up on Gordon Hayward like that. So that's that's the question, and that that's what I went in to ask McGovern. And you know, I have the same concern, and maybe they're not. But I mean, I don't know how much. Again, I I, I don't. I'm not a Boston guy. I don't watch Boston that much. But I don't know how much stock they put into kind of this season's eight game sample size versus last season's seventy two game sample size. Um. Because last year he did not play particularly well, and as you know, the season before that he didn't play at all. Um, except yeah, for I mean that. he was he was coming off that really gruesome injury last year, so I think I think it does require some patience. I think that in terms of Boston's ceiling, if they want if they're going to win a championship or like even come out of the East, I I feel like it would be because Gordon Hayward was playing back to his All Star level potential. And, um, and then with the young pieces around him developing into into what they've what they're becoming, so I I just think that would be selling really low on Gordon Hayward. Um, uh-huh. But I, I like the sort of ingenuity of it, <laughs> like that's getting rid of all the all the guys, and you added Wayne Ellington in there, which I actually thought was was interesting. Um, Been trying to get w- rid of Wayne Ellington for years. <sighs> I know, I know. I, I know your brother, Greg, he is Wayne's probably biggest detractor among all of us. Oh, he's uh, bad. He, he talked about that a lot on the last podcast, on the Monday, on Monday's podcast, and that was uh, before the Bucks lost. And Wayne he, Ellington has played really bad. Yeah. Full um, stop. Uh, there's nothing else to say about that. I, I mean, I, I think our whole goal was to not talk about Knicks basketball, but in that Bucks game, he airballed at least two threes. And just, I don't know what he's doing anymore. And, and it is weird because I didn't watch a ton of him on the heat when he was in Miami, but I was, like, reading things and hearing things that he was kind of like that J.J. Redick, Kyle Korver-like player. And, and listening to, to earlier – in this week's podcast, Greg was saying like that's not really Ellington's game, but I had I had heard that it was, and so I actually haven't been surprised by the types of threes he's been taking—the totally crazy like feet not set, coming around screens at full sprints. Like that's what I actually thought Ellington was going to be doing, and I actually also thought he was going to be making some of them, and sure. uh, I was very wrong. I was wrong about that. So it, I wonder if Ellington has just any value at all like any trade value i think coming into the season he probably did but he's making eight million which is not nothing and uh he's not 
He's making eight million and not making any shots, so, so it's a tough combination. I and I think and I I went to a couple different people to to talk to them on try to take some advice and um I talked to to Chris Fujimoto, another A Lab former uh podcaster. Man, uh, it's, who is I, a seventy six. I have Philadelphia fan. on my list here too. So I, I know where it. you're going with this. Well, I mean, I had him on the list, and I talked to Fuj, and he said, basically, there's no... I mean, Philadelphia doesn't have many trade pieces. They have not. They have no and, trade pieces. And Ellington, they've played the Knicks twice, and Ellington has been bad from what he's seen. And the only way that the Knicks are going to get anything from him or is if a team thinks that he can go to an actual basketball team and play basketball, because now he's not on a basketball team, and he's not playing basketball. That's the only way the Knicks get anything. Yeah, it's the only time that the Knicks' reputation or like the reputation they've earned helps them is is in trades where trade where teams are like, oh, we in our system he could actually be something. He, certainly nothing over there in New York. Like he he never had a chance. That's kind of the perception that we're hoping for as Knicks fans to take hold. But so I had Philly, and then I wrote they don't have any trade pieces. So yep. th- my second team that I wrote down for Wayne Ellington was the Raptors. Um, Interesting. So the Raptors are towards the bottom of the league in offensive player movement. I just looked up that stat because I was like, well, Wayne Ellington at least runs around a lot, and he sprints around, and he's always moving, and, and that can be good for an offense. Um, and basically, it's like the Raptors have some guys, some young guys, who who could use some like third draft. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm talking about... Wayne Ellington for Patrick McCaw and Stanley Johnson, who is a player option for next year. These are two guys who are not who are hardly playing at all in Toronto, but they've both. I mean, Stanley Johnson was a lottery pick, what two or, th- or three years ago? It was yes, three years ago for Detroit. And then Patrick McCaw has, I mean, he's not great, but he had some moments in Golden State, and uh, I don't know. He's young. He can. Def- he seems like he could defend. There'd be some upside for McCaw and Stanley Johnson, um, and they're two guys who aren't playing, so I don't know if, if the Raptors would, would want to take on Ellington, but at least he's a vet who has a reputation for being able to hit threes. Um, so that's my trade. Ellington for McCaw and Stanley Johnson. What do you think? Um, I actually think I like it better than my trade. Um, it seems a lot more realistic than my trade, and you seem to have done some actual looking into real stats um, to make it happen. It is similar to my trade in that I didn't try to get any picks. I tried to get some just pieces that, you know, aren't being currently utilized as a third chance pick. So maybe I'll just throw mine out there and then you can, you can let me know what you think. And I went to a team that doesn't really need anything because they're the best team in the NBA right now. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, and just for kicks, I got um, Robin Lopez, Robin, not Brooke, who is also on the Bucks, um, and Dragon Bender, who is not playing at all. Uh, R- Robin is getting some minutes on the Bucks. He's getting 15 minutes a game, which is not nothing. So. Maybe they don't want to do that. Dragonbender isn't playing at all. But 
the Bucks are not really shooting threes at all this season. Uh, they're 30th in three-point attempts and 25th in three-point percentage, so maybe they want someone like a Ellington to get in there and just do what he's doing, except it, on a good team, he'll make the shots. I, I like it in theory. Um, I, one of my top concerns is that Milwaukee just saw Ellington play. Yeah. Uh, that would be a concern for me. Also, Robin Lopez did start because Brooke Lopez was was injured. And uh, and I'll tell you the reason that I included Robin Lopez is just because there is not a – I needed someone to match salaries, and Robin seemed like a guy to do that. So I, I like I liked him when he was in New York. I like Robin Lopez in general, but uh, I, I think he would also be a good Mitch mentor. Yep. I think that was, that was another another general thought. But I don't know that the Bucks would be willing to break up the Lopez's. I think they kind of like that dynamic there, and and. I mean, Robin's straight up their backup center, and they don't have another. They don't. They wouldn't have a backup center otherwise. But I like the idea of getting Dragon Bender in the mix, just as a, as a guy getting a, a third opportunity, just like Patrick McCaw and Stanley Johnson. That's the same kind of thought process. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe we we try to find some more salary filler there. I, I would have to take another look at it, but that that was the basis of it. Is I is Ellington just made too much money. Yes, yes, he does. Um, and that's that's pretty much all I had. Did you th- – there are I a few had, other guys. Do you have something for Trier specifically? I had one for Trier. Uh, it doesn't seem that likely to me, but I just – I threw it on a piece of paper. Hold on. Let me see if I can find out what it was. Yeah, I mean, tr- I had Trier going to the Jazz as a part of my Bobby Portis deal. I just don't know that Trier – by himself has all that much value. He he is a nice scorer off the bench, but just his his defensive limitations going to a contender, I think would be it'd be problematic for a lot of teams and so I, I just don't know. So let's hear it. What do you got? I've got him going to the Pacers who I think could use a bucket getter, particularly coming off the bench. I don't know when Oladipo comes back if he ever comes back. Um but they're a pretty solid defensive team, so maybe they don't mind so much having him. Um, and I have the Knicks getting in return, and this is where it becomes unlikely, is, is TJ Leaf, who's only playing 10 minutes a game. But still, like he's young, and I think 10 minutes a game on a good team is pretty good for a rookie contract. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I can't act like an expert on TJ Leaf, but I, I know he's had some good games. I've seen some box scores, but uh, I think he can shoot. Is he like a stretch four? Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's I mean, this season he's he's playing ten minutes a game. He is shooting forty five point five percent on only zero point seven percent or attempts per game. So not not a ton of attempts, but not a ton of minutes. So, but. You know, on a good team, maybe he's just not getting enough minutes to to get his due. Yeah, he's you know? a lot bigger. He's a lot bigger than I expected. They listed him at six ten. Uh, I wonder kind of what his fit with with Mitch would look like. If I mean, I'm sure Fizdale would probably play all the bigs together. But no, we're not talking about the Knicks playing basketball right now. So um, <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't know enough about TJ Leaf. I have to do a little more due diligence there. But uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just think from what I know about TJ Leaf is that he is he is better than that. So I I, I think it's unlikely, but I I wanted to, to get a trade down. Get yeah. your thoughts. 
Um, and then I'm wondering if there are any other guys, guys that maybe you haven't played so much this season, but we know who have value. So someone like Alfred Payton or Reggie Bullock. I think I think Bullock and his health issues are kind of make him such a wild card that might not even be worth speculation. But um, I mean, Alfred Payton. I know you mentioned him earlier. He's a pretty established point guard. I think for are there any teams like really looking for a, a backup point guard? I think there must be, right? Yeah, I had him going to the Jazz, whose backup point guard is Emmanuel Moutier. So, oh my God, yeah, you mentioned that. Good Lord, um, that, that could be a good spot for him. I, I'd be yeah. I'd be willing to to part with Alfred Payton. He hasn't done the Knicks much good. And the thing is, I think that Reggie Bullock of all of these pieces could be, you know if he was playing, have a decent amount of value just because coming into the season he was expected to be a shooter and a 3 and D guy, basically. He was the only guy that the Knicks signed who was, um, other than Marcus Morris, who was expected to be a plus defender. So, you know, that's, that's what I got. Yeah, I, I'm wondering, uh, and, and there's no one else that the Knicks should even consider. Because, look, you, you look at some of the other guys on the roster – and some of them would actually straight up just be valuable to teams who are trying to win. I think Damian Dotson, even though he hasn't been shooting well, I think he could actually bring back an asset just because of his his two-way ability. Um, I, I He's 25 years old. I don't know how much better he's really going to get at this point, but even if you trade Dotson for like a, you know, a, a second rounder or something, you're probably just going to hope that that second rounder ends up as good as Dotson, right? So I, I just don't know what the point of that really is unless unless we expect Dotson to walk in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I don't remember. off. Actually, I have it in front of me so I can find out what Dotson's remaining contract is. Yeah, so he's a free agent this offseason, so I can very easily see him getting traded. I believe he's a restrict free agent, so the Knicks could re-sign him if they wanted to. Um. But, yeah, I think he he would have some value. And the – I mean, I, w- I went through the list wh- when I was trying to talk to Fuge about who Philly might want. And what I said was I'm pretty confident that we're going to try to move Morris, Portis, Trier, and Ellington. We would probably move Alfred and Bullock if they weren't injured. And we might move Dotson and Gibson, which means we would probably keep Frank, DSJ, Knox, Barrett, and Mitch. Could you see any of those those guys getting moved? Frank, DSJ, Knox, Barrett, or Mitch? DSJ was the only guy who I'd even considered, but we'd be selling so low on him just yeah, because I that was that was exactly perception. my problem. So I'm with you there. Um, yeah, I think we I think we covered all the guys that that might get moved. I think, and you know what? I think we did a pretty good job of of not being too too much of homers, and and I think we even maybe swung the pendulum the other way, and and maybe undervalued some of the guys to a degree um but but overall pretty pretty satisfied you feeling good i feel good i feel pretty good um what let me just ask you what was your favorite favorite trade idea i liked your first uh your first marcus morris trade that's that's the one i was gonna say too to the timberwolves and you know that was one of the teams on my short list and didn't make my my trade ultimately but i wasn't thinking about moving him for bad money like you were and i think that's that's a smart way to go about it i hope the knicks do it um <laughs> time will tell but but like we said i mean a lot of 
of what we consider a success this season is going to is going to come from who the Knicks get or what assets the Knicks get for these expiring veterans. So it's this will not be the last time we talk about this. I'm sure this will come up again and up well, again and up again gonna, as we continue to avoid Knicks basketball talk. We're going to do this again for the the trade deadline probably, if I had to guess. For sure. All right, I would, Kenny. I I would trade Wayne Ellington for a Peloton bike. <laughs> had to bring up Peloton. All right. Well, with that, if you're still listening, we we appreciate it. Go to go leave a review. Go rate five stars. Leave a review and tell us a trade that you like, a proposed trade. You can tweet a trade at us. Yeah, at tweet Talkin trades Knicks. at us. We'd appreciate that at Talking Knicks. Um, follow us there on Instagram, all the places. You can follow me at Tom underscore Piccolo. Uh, I just had a piece come out. Uh, a few days ago for Nick's film school and I should have another one coming out pretty soon. So look out for that. And uh, yeah, until next time you will hear us on Monday morning's edition of talking Nick's until then let's go Nick's Nick's tape.